Today's daf is daf Chav Vav, page 26 in Meseches Beya. And we pick up from the bottom line on daf Chav Hei Amud Beis. We're up to the Mishnah on the very bottom line. All right, we all have the place. Okay, so here we go. Let's give a quick introduction. There's a, it's a fascinating new conversation that's going to take us throughout the daf. Um, and what we're going to talk about in this Mishnah and what the Gemara is going to initially explain and try to understand on Amar Aleph is the following scenario. The Mishnah has given us a case of a Bechar, a firstborn animal that has Kedusha, that has holiness. Okay? Now, pull up a chair. A firstborn animal has Kedusha, has holiness. Now, the Halacha is a Bechar that has Kedusha, you're not allowed to eat outside of the Beis HaMikdash, right? It has to be shechted, and see, there's certain elements of Kedush that need to be handled. Therefore, a Bechar is Muktza. You hear this? Are you allowed to shecht the Bechar on Yom Tov? No, because it has an element of Kedusha. Bottom, bottom line of Chafei Yom All right? However, if the Bechar has a mom, let's say this firstborn animal uh, develops a mom kavua, a permanent blemish, Right, a permanent blemish, then it's now going to be mutter to eat. All right. So what we're going to discuss is situations where you have a bechor with a suffik mum kavua. Suffik mum kavua. Suffik whether he has a, a permanent blemish. If it has a permanent blemish, I'm allowed to shecht it on yomtiv. But what we're also going to need to consider is when did that blemish <coughs> develop? Was the blemish there from before Yom Tif? Then for sure it's going to be allowed to shecht because it was already permitted as Yom Tif started. Or did the permanent blemish develop on Yom Tif itself? If it developed on Yom Tif itself, then we should say it was muktza when Yom Tif started. So maybe it remains muktza even now and you can't shecht it. Okay, I just want to give you a, a... I'll give you what the Gemara is ultimately going to come out with. The Gemara is ultimately going to have to wiggle our whole case into a situation where the Bukhar developed a temporary mum prior to Yom Tif, And the owner, even before Yom Tif, was hoping it would become permanent so he could eat it. Therefore, it's not muktza for him because in his mind, he's planning on it being for Yom Tif, and But then... It, he didn't know it was permanent until Yom Tif itself. Okay, so now that I threw a lot of information at you, <coughs> let's start getting some clarity about this inside. Bottom line, You have a firstborn animal that falls into a bar on Yom Tif. It falls into a ditch, a pit on Yom Tif. says, Here's what you should do. Send down an expert in Trefus and knowing whether they got a, a blemish or not. The Yira. And he should look at it, see what's going on. Why? Because if it doesn't have a permanent blemish, it's muktzah. You got to leave the animal there. Mm-hmm. If it has a permanent blemish, then we're going to assume that's why you're sending down the expert. Now that it got a permanent blemish, well, you're allowed to eat it. So shecht it. Okay. Top of today's daf. If it has a mum, let him let him uh, take it out. And if it doesn't have a mum kavua. An established mum, you're not allowed to shecht it. Okay, Rabbi Shimon says, 
anytime you don't have a recognizable mum before Yom Tiv, it's going to be muktzah. Okay, even if it develops a permanent mum on Yom Tif itself, okay, then it's not considered muchan. All right. Now, there's a fascinating, lengthy discussion about this opinion of Reb Shimon. Because Reb Shimon, if we recall, from Shabbos, from Erevin, from, from Sugis Ryaochas, Reb Shimon is the one who holds that things aren't muktzah unless you make them muktzah. Reb Shimon is the lenient opinion when it comes to muktzah, right? So when Reb Shimon here says, it needs, the blemish needs to be nicker me by yom. It has to be recognizable from before Yom Tov starts in order for it to be not menamuchan. It, it, those words can't come out of Rav Shimon's mouth because Rav Shimon holds that nothing is mukta unless it is. So the Mepharshim discuss at length a beautiful, beautiful shear. Um, and, uh, you know, if we'd be learning this with the Iyun, which halacha Rav Shimon is ultimately concerned about? When he says, it's for sure not muktza. He's for sure not concerned about the muktza aspect. But there are other halachas, for example, whether you're allowed to, um, whether you're allowed to give a, a um, stamp, there's a better word for it, uh, whether you're allowed to establish a name on something on Yom Tif. Mm-hmm. That might be the problem of like being masaking something. You know, a, a bezdin doesn't do that on Yom Tif. A bezdin is only allowed to give a psak to create clarity to an existing situation, somebody comes over to a rub on Shabbos and Yom Tif and says, I'm not sure whether this is okay. So the rub clarifies the halacha. That's fine on Shabbos and Yom Tif. But to establish a shame on something, to give a name to something, that is a, a bigger problem. And, uh, and according to some opinions, that's what is bothering Rabbi Shimon here, is, is, is Changing its name on Yom Tif might be the problem, but he, it's for sure not that he holds it. He holds that it's mukta. Okay. That is the Mishnah, and this Mishnah needs explanation. Um, here we go. What is the Machlaik between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon in the beginning of our Mishnah? Again, what were the opinions? On the bottom of Amud Beis, Rabbi Yehuda says, if an animal, a firstborn, a Bukhar, falls into a pit, what do you do? You send down the expert. If there's a permanent blemish, bring it out and shecht it. Because it's not muktzah anymore, you can use it for yom tif. And if it's not permanent, you're not allowed to shecht it. Rabbi Shimon says, if there's no mum there, me by yom, then it's not considered prepared. What's this you're If the machlekes is about whether a mumcha, an expert, is allowed to check it out on yom tif, and Rabbi Yehuda is going to be holding... Review to Savar Mum and be Yomtif, you're allowed to check out a Mum on Yomtif. And Rav Shimon says, Savar ain't right, Mum on Yomtif, he holds you not allowed to. But let's go, Brewer Mum Chadama. Why don't they just have a Mishnah which says, Oh, um, can you check a Bukhar for a Mum on Yomtif? Review to says, Yeah. Rav Shimon says, No. That's all you need in our Mishnah. Why do you got to give me a Gansamaisa? Oh, there was a Bukhar that fell into a pit. If the whole conversation is merely about whether an expert could check it, so why are you adding details? That's that's bothering the Gemara. So Gemara says no. I'll tell you why. Really, this is the Machlekes. Machlekes Taka could be about whether an expert is permitted to examine it on Yom Tif. So why did we give this case of it falling into a pit? Why not keep it simple? Says the Gemara. 
because there's an added chiddush by teaching me about a bachar that falls into a pit. Salkadai bechemina. I would have brought to say mishum tsar balachayim. There's an isad daraisa of tsar balachayim. You're not allowed to cause pain to an animal, right? We know that the Torah takes causing pain to any creation very seriously. So I would say like this. Did you do anything to cause Tzar Balachayim to this animal? No, the animal itself fell into a pit. But maybe I'll say, listen, as Yidin were sensitive to Tzar Balachayim, and therefore, La'arim Veliske, let us at least use some sort of... La'arim really means trickery. Love on Haramai, right? Really means some sort of trickery. But we'll consider it like some sort of, of loophole to use as an excuse to allow me to get the animal out of there. I didn't cause the tsar, but there's an animal in tsar. Maybe we say, you know, this animal in tsar, the Torah takes it very seriously, tsar balachayim. So now what we should do, let's say, let's make, let's say like this. Any animal that falls into a pit, there's a chazaka, that there's a permanent blemish. So take it out, and now let's check it just to make sure we're right. Mm-hmm. That's like the trickery we'll use, you know, to do that. So, like Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua elsewhere allows uh, a person to use some sort of, you know, we'll call it a chap, a shtick, a trickery, right, to uh, remove tsar balichayim. Kamash Bandir for the Mishnah lets us know that according to Shitas Rabbi Yehuda, you cannot take out the animal with trickery and then examine it and be like, oh, whoops. Oh, I thought there was a permanent blemish. No. Says Rabbi Yehuda, the mumcha has to go down into the pit mm-hmm. and check it. That's the Ad So again, the Gemara's kasha was, if the Machlaikas is concerning whether you could an expert could check it on Yom Tif, give me a Pasha case. The answer is, no, we definitely want to give a case of a pit to let us know that we don't resort to trickery and you cannot remove the animal and then check it. Rather, the mumcha has to go down into the pit. That's the Ad of giving us this case. Let's go If uh, if it's true that the whole chiddush of this case is to tell me that the mumcha cannot remove the animal, but he must go down there, why does it say la yishchait? Why does it say that he's not allowed to bring it up? Right? What are you to say? If there's no permanent blemish, you can't shecht it. You know what he should say? La yalav brother. He should have said you can't bring it up and 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 shecht it. Shemar says, No, we're dealing with a case where he was Iver, he taka transgressed, the iske, and he he did it against Allah. Okay, he took it out. So I mean, I would have thought to say, comes on the Mishnah to let us know. Absolutely not. It must be shachted. Now, says what do you mean What do you mean that he's allowed he's allowed to shachted? Right now, it has a chazaka of not having a mum kavua. Right now, it has a chazaka of not having a permanent blemish until a mumcha tells me it is. It had a permanent blemish. What are you talking about? It got a permanent blemish later. If it, if it got a permanent blemish, and this is what we, we introduced over at the Mishnah. If an animal, if a bachar gets a permanent blemish on yomtiv, shouldn't it still be mukta by the mere fact that it did not have a blemish before yomtiv? As we entered Yom Tif, it was Mukta. What's making it not Mukta now? Because a permanent blemish developed now. The Maisa, when Yom Tif started, the owner had no das 
of being able to move this animal. And for the Gemara, last step to explain, and we, we preempted this when we read the Mishnah, what's the case? Here's the case. You have a Bukhar. Prior to Yom Tif, the Bukhar has a Mum Aymer, a Mum Aymer, a blemish which is not permanent, a temporary blemish. And then on Yom Tif, and now got a permanent blemish. Now, a temporary blemish, it retains its Kedushas Bukhar. Only a permanent blemish allows me to eat it. So here's what happened. I would have thought the same since it had a temporary blemish before. The owner says, oh, my animal has a temporary blemish before Yom Tif. You know, sometimes temporary blemishes end up being permanent. I'm hoping it's going to be permanent. And if it is, I'm going to want to eat it at my Yom Tif Suda. Therefore, it's not Muktzer. Maybe you would say that. And we would allow him to shecht it on Yom Tif. Therefore, the Mishnah lets us know that you cannot do it. Okay, so bottom line. Bottom line. What did we just explain? What did the Gemara just clarify uh, for us until the two dots? This, this short piece of Gemara. What did the Gemara just do? The Gemara uh, taught us that if you have a case of a firstborn animal with Kedusha that had a temporary blemish prior to Yom Tif, and then it falls into a pit yeah, it falls into a pit. And it's, uh, we, we need somebody to examine whether it's going to be a permanent blemish. I, why, what does it make in Afghamina? Either way, the animal's mukta. No, because I would have thought to say, since it had a temporary blemish, it's not mukta because the owner already had a das on it prior to Yamdiv. No, no, no. Says Rabbi Yehuda, you got to go down, into, the mukta has to go down into the pit. It's mukta until you, uh, it, it's, it's mukta. Um, Either way. Okay. Period to that. The rabbis learned the social ebachartam shnafalabar. If you have a bachartam, a firstborn with kedusha that falls into a pit. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, I'm Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi says. Okay, this is our. This was uh, Rabbi. Okay. Yerid Mumchavir. Send down a Mumcha. And he should check it out. If it has a Mum that removes its Kedusha, which means permanent. Take it out of the pit and do a Shechita. Okay? Vimlav. And if it does not have a permanent Mum, La Yishchit. You're not allowed to shecht it. Amalei Rav Shimon Menasya. Rav Shimon Ben Menasya says to Rebbe, Harei Amru ain rayim mumcha b'yomtiv. But I thought we don't check mumin on yomtiv. Okay? You're not allowed to check for a mum on yomtiv. Ketzad. How is it? Okay? Meaning, why can't I shecht on yomtiv? Why can't I examine on yomtiv? I'm sorry. Nailad by mum erv yomtiv. If let's say an animal had a mum born to it, meaning a mum came onto the animal prior to Yom Tif. You're not allowed to um, you're not allowed to check it on Yom Tif. If 
you had a mum which was born to it on Yom Tif, the Yom Tif top of Amad Beis. Okay? Now, Reb Shimon Ayman, Reb Shimon says, now you're not supposed to check it, but you did. And a mum developed. So Reb Shimon says, Ein Zemin Amuchan. Yeah? Ein Amuchan means it's not set aside. You're not allowed to use this animal on Yom Tif. And everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. That let's say you have a Bechar that's born with a Mum. That is considered Min Hamuchan. That is considered um, set aside. Okay? So let's say, for example, you have a mother animal that you know is going to give birth any day. And Yom Tov's coming. The owner has his das. He has his mind on his baby. Right, there's a baby inside. He's going to be born, and he knows that baby's going to be the bachar. It's a firstborn, firstborn baby, and that bachar comes out with a mum. So it was already set aside. So it's it, it's going to be mutter for him. It's going to be mutter for him because it's uh, it's it's min amuch. It's considered it's considered prepared. Now, darash rabba baravhuna neiladhu umuma imay. If you have a baby bachar. That's born with a with a mum, rendering it unfit for kedusha. I say You're allowed to send an expert to check it out on yomtiv even lechatchila. Amalei Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says to Rabba Baravuna, Abba Tani, Abba, um, <coughs> my father, taught im avar If somebody went and checked, even though you weren't supposed to, if somebody checked for an animal, it's considered checked. And you're saying that it should be done even lechatchila. What Rav Nachman is challenging Rabbi Baravuna on is, Rabbi Baravuna said if a baby's born on Yom Tif with a mum, then even lechatchila you're allowed to. But says Rav Nachman, my father learned that it's only b'diavet, yeah, only b'diavet. If you did, you could rely on it, but it's not lechatchila. Amar Abai, Abai says no. Kabosei the Rabbi Baravuna, Mustava Rabbi Baravuna, who's the one who said you're allowed to do lechatchila is more logical. Midiktani Tolasa Bavit, okay, which we're about to explain. Midiktani from the fact that um, we learned it Tolasa Bavit in three different situations, right? Bava, we have Bava Kama, Bava Tira, Basra, three different uh, stories, three different, uh, in three different areas, all right, which is Nailad by Mome Erev Here's the three areas. If you have a Bachar, that has a mum which grows on it on Erev Yomtif. Ein mevakunaisebi Yomtif. What do we say? You should not check it for a mum on Yomtif. Lechatchila hu delay. Okay? Which means lechatchila, you should not check it. Hadiyeved shapir dami. But bediyeved, it is, uh, if you did check it, it's going, it's going to be allowed. Right? Now, nailer by mum bi Yomtif. What if it has a mum on Yomtif before the first case? What was the first Baba? When it gets a mum before Yomtif. What happens if it gets a mum on Yomtif? Reb Shimon Aymer, Ein Zemin Amuchan. Reb Shimon says it's not considered Muchan, it's not considered ready and prepared. Which, when you say it's not considered Muchan, that seems to imply that even Bidiyeved, if it was checked, you can still not use it on Yomtif. Again, in the first case, the mum came when? Before Yom Tif. When the mum came before Yom Tif, and now I check it on Yom Tif, I could rely on Epidiyavet. However, if the mum came on Yom Tif, and I check it on Yom Tif, 
even if I find a permanent mum. Usr. And the last case, Bahadur Tani, and then we learned the Shavim, everyone agrees, that if let's say you have a Bakhar that's born with a mum, it's considered that even it is allowed. Why did Abaye bring these three stories again to prove Rabbi Barabuna? Rabbi Barabuna says when you have a baby Bukhar that's born with a permanent mum on Yamtif, you can examine it. Says Rav Nachman, I, my father, holds no, only Bidiyavad, you could do that. Says Abaye, okay, very nice that your father holds that. But Lamaisa, we see from the Braisa, you see that Rabbi Barabuna has backup support and he could be correct. Says the Gemara, Abaye's Raya, these three situations that Abaye just broke down for us. The third one being a proof to Rabbi Barabuna is not necessarily a proof. Why? Ravashia came and he taught us a bryce, so he's holding a bryce in his hand. And what he say? Beautiful. Yeah. You hold the bryce in your hand, your mom, she, you carry it with you wherever you go, you take the terror with you. Whether an animal whether the Bukhar the mum started before you. Whether it got a mum before Yamtif. say it's not considered minamukhan. Okay? So the Chachamim are arguing on that Braisa and that statement of Rabbi Shimon. The Elakasha Ha Chahi. Rather, we have a question. Elakasha Ha, but we have a question. So now the question is going to be very nice that we have the Chum arguing, but Lamaisa, we still have the Braisa following Rabbi Baravuna. So what are you going to say? Ha'hi Ada Baruchmi. That this Braisa was only uh, the opinion of. Of Adabar Ochmei, who did not write the Brisa correctly, the Mishabesh Vitani, he taught the Brisa incorrectly. Amr of Nachem Bar Yitzchak, Mastisa Namideka, our Mishnah seems to be Medayik, um, uh, seems to be Medayik, like we said, Diktani, um, because we learned in the Mishnah, when the blemish, when the mum wasn't noticed or noticeable prior to Yamdiv. Now, let's focus on these words, says Rav Nachman. My ain mumay nikr. What does it mean that you didn't notice the blemish? If I say to you, the permanent blemish was not noticed before Yomtev. Well, is, was it there though? Right? Just because you don't notice something doesn't mean you know it wasn't there. You just couldn't find it. Right? Now, my ain mumay nikr. Where there was no mum at all that that we should assume existed there. Okay? Pshita. So of course it's us. Okay? As humans, some people go to doctors to get regular physicals for maintenance, for upkeep, to make sure there's no problem. Right? But when do you assume there's a problem that a person will pick up the phone and call the doctor when there's symptoms when there's no symptoms of a problem a person there's no reason for a person to assume every once in a while you might go get a checkup right there's no reason to assume it says the gemara if there's no mum nicker at all before yomtiv 
So then the conversation doesn't start. Yeah? Of course, it had Kedushas Bachar when Yom Tov started. Did Rav Shimon need to tell me anything? Ella, the case needs to be like this. Here's what happened. What does it mean it wasn't noticeable on Yom Tov? You know what it means? You didn't ask a Shaila before Yom Tov. You didn't ask a Shaila. Imum Kavua, Imum Iver. Whether it was a permanent mum or a temporary mum. So Katani Mias, Inzimin Amochan. And we still said that it's not considered a Mochan, Shmamina. You talk to see from here that, um, that uh, any mum which was not established as a mum Kavua prior to Yom Tif is not going to be allowed to use on Yom Tif Lefi Rebbe Shimon. Period. End of that discussion. End of that conversation for now okay now the Gemara is going to transition and enter a beautiful discussion very practical and and important for us we have Yom Tif and Shabbos Shabbos every week and we're, we're sitting here on Cholomite what are the parameters of um, of mukta? Okay, we're going to get into a lot of uh, different areas of mukta over here. Bomene Hilme Rava. Hillel asked a shaila from Rava. Yesh mukta. By the way, this is not Hillel Azakim because Rava is an Amira. Yeah, so it's a different Hillel. Maybe it was Enikul. You know, somebody named after him. I don't know. Hillel asked Rava. Yesh mukta lachati Shabbos. I ain mukta lachati Shabbos. If something is mukta. For half of Shabbos, does it necessarily mean that it's muktzah for the other half of Shabbos? Can something be muktzah for part of the twenty-four hours and not part of the other twenty-four hours? What would you say? You ever heard of such a thing? No, never heard of such. Yeah. Right? Okay. Says What's the case? Eid is chazi If something is fit, meaning it's mutter mm-hmm. for me as Shabbos starts, okay, between Shkia and Tzach if it's mutter to me, so, Ichazi, does that mean that for the rest of Shabbos it's no longer mutter? And if it was not permitted to me as Beinash started, it's not going to be mutter for me on Shabbos. Okay? So the Gemara here is saying, meaning, we're trying to clarify Hillel's question. Hillel says, can you have something that's mukta for part of Shabbos and other part of Shabbos? The Gemara responds, well, what, we've, what we're familiar with is if one something is mukta for when Shabbos starts, it's, it's mukta for the rest of the day. So, so what, what else is bothering Hillel that he feels the need for the Shiloh? The Gemara says, like, this chazoi v'ahadar v'ahadar idchi v'ahadar is chazoi my there what is the halakha okay so Rashi gives an example like this here's the example of Rashi somebody is says Rashi somebody's drying their figs and they the way they would dry out their figs they would lay them out in the sun so Shabbos starts. And the figs are dry. You'd say, what's the problem? Now you, know, you could get you have figs for Kiddush tomorrow morning. Shabbos Kiddush, right? 
Friday night it rains. Now it's wet again. Does it become muksa? Because I'm not eating it. I don't want that. And then Shabbos afternoon, the sun was back out, so it, re- it dried it again. Can I now eat the figs? Okay? That's the case that, uh, that's the case that Rashi gives. All right? So when Shabbos started, Beseder. And then it rains. So now it's not Beseder. And now it dried out again, so it is Beseder. My, what is the halacha? How do we view, uh, how do we view these figs? Amalei. So Rabbah said to Hillel, Yesh Muktzah. Yeah, that once it became wet, for example, by the figs, even though it was mutter bein hashmoshes, it was dried out bein hashmoshes. Once it became wet, it's now muktzah for the rest of Shabbos. You hear this? So it wasn't muktzah when Shabbos started, became muktzah on Shabbos. Even if it dries out later, it remains muktzah. That's what Rabbi says to him. He say that's a challenging question. The Shabbim, by the way, this Shaila of Hillel is going to take us to tomorrow's daf. So we'll find some place to stop along the way. Asia, that's a challenging question. The Shabbim, everybody agrees. If let's say you have a baby, Bachar, that's born with a mum, it's on Yomtif. It's considered Mukhan for Yomtif. Why is it allowed? Let's say that the Bachar inside the mother was not mukta because of the mother okay meaning if you were to shech the mother of this animal would be a ben pakua so it was fit to be eaten along with the mother when yamtif started now that it was born so now you're not allowed to eat anymore because it has kedushas bachar it became forbidden like the figs right the figs became what this bachar was born and now we showed it to Chacham, and the Chacham says, oh, it's got a permanent blemish, it's mutter again. So according to Rava, why are you allowed to eat this animal? The Tanoim in the Mishnah say that an animal that's born on Yom Tif is mutter. One second. Says the Gemara Gavaldic, listen closely. Let's look at the status of this baby, this baby animal. When Yom Tif started, it was fit to be eaten. It didn't yet have Kedushas Bachar. It was inside of a mother. You could shech the mother, so this baby's fit. Now when it's born on Yom Tiv, it has Kedushas Bachar, so it's not fit. It's like the figs became wet. Then you bring it to a Chacham who says it has a Mum Kavua, so now it became fit again. It's like my figs redried on Shabbos afternoon. And everybody agrees that it's fine by the animal. So Rava, why are you saying the figs remain Mukta? Once the figs redry, allow them to be mutter now. That's the kasha on Rabba. Omar Abai became Rav Safra. Abai says, some say Rav Safra responds, as going, the Yosvi Dayane Hasa. Yeah? The Dayanim were sitting there as the animal was born, and therefore they gave, sorry, therefore they gave an immediate psak on the animal. Since they gave an immediate psak on the animal, there was never a time where it even had a status of a a bechar, okay, because they, they saw it immediately. Or you could say, or you could say that Rabbi gave a different answer, and he agreed with this, and he says, Ein Yeah, that I guess is a different version of the story, which Taka would work out very well with this. Instead of him saying it is Muktza, he's going to say what we would have thought, and that is, listen, the figs were dried out when Shabbos started. Are they Muktza? No. 
Now they became wet Friday night. Are they mukta? Yeah. Then they redry. Are they mukta? Says Rava. No. It goes back to what it was, Bein Hashmashas. Okay, that works out very well with the, with the case of the Bechot. Let's bring a raya to this halacham. The Shavim, everybody agrees. The baby Bechor is born with a mum. It's considered menamuchun. It's per, considered prepared. I have a have a But in the beginning, originally, it was allowed to be eaten. as soon as it was born, it It was pushed off. You're not allowed to eat anymore because the kedusha. mystery. and when you bring it to a chacham, it became mutter again. So you see from here that what? Just because something was mukta in middle of the day on Shabbos or Yom Tif does not render it mukta. Now, keep it, just, just, I just, want to, I just want us to notice something, okay? It's very interesting. Where we are in the Gemara right now is, if something was mukta bein hashmashas as Shabbos starts, that may remain mukta. Over here, it was not mukta when Shabbos started. When something became mukta for a small frame of time, a small time frame, on Shabbos, without including bein hashmashas, that's where we say that muktzah status is can can leave on Shabbos. A muktzah that comes once Shabbos started can leave, but a muktzah that's been there as Shabbos started remains. Okay. Amr Abai Tamer of Safra. Abai says, and some say it was of Safra. The case could be the same the same thing we explained before. Maybe the judges were there, therefore never became muktzah. Tashma. And come in, we'll bring a proof. Uh, come and listen, the proof from the following Brisa. If a person is eating grapes and he leaves some over, and he takes the grape and um, puts it on his roof. Why? He wants them to dry out and become dried grapes, become raisins. Or he took figs, and he's got extra ones. He wants to make dried out figs. The halacha is you're not allowed to eat them. Unless prior to Shabbos, you were mezaming them. You set them aside for Shabbos use. The same thing applies to any type of fruit that you have fresh and then you'd like to dry out. Now, says the Gemara, let's explain the case. Right, what do we say? You took grapes. You have leftover grapes, you want to turn into raisins. Bring it up. If you were muchanit before Shabbos, it's not muktzah. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? What, what happened here? If the fruits were already dry when Shabbos started, why do you need to set them aside? This is regular Shabbos food. It's dried out when Shabbos started. It's Shabbos food. Okay? And if they weren't yet dried out when Shabbos started, what does it help to be mezamin? What does it help to set it aside? Yeah? Says Rashi, it's automatically mukta. It's not food. You can't eat a fruit that's in the process of drying out. It's just rotten. Yeah? In the middle of the process, it's not fit for anything. So, the and if you're going to say 
When it came being Ashmoshes, we're not sure at what stage it was in. And therefore, it depends whether you designate it or not. From Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana says, Muktza Shilabash. If you have Muktza that dried out, and the owner didn't know whether it was dried out, Mutter, it's, it's a Mutter. It's allowed, you're, you're allowed to eat. Okay? Sorry, that's the place. Elolav, the Chaziveh Itchu, Bahadar Ischu. Rather, you know what the case has to be? The case has to be Mamish, the, the, Mamish, the case that we explained, where it was dried when Shabbos started, then it rained, and then it re-dried, and the Brisa still says, what do you need? As money. You still need to set it aside, otherwise it's going to be Muktza. Now, the E Amrit, a Muktza, last thin line, on Chavav Bays. If you're going to say there's no muktza, why do you need to set it aside? It's not muktza anyway. Elamai, what are you going to say? Yesh muktza. It's going to be muktza when it uh, when it got wet again on Shabbos. Then if it is muktza, setting it aside again, if it's not fit for any sort of use, it's not edible, what does it help? Says the Gemara, same answer we gave before. Leitzricha. Where, when Shabbos was starting, it was like barely edible. It was barely edible. Some people would be like, you know what, impatient people who don't want to wait for the food to be fully cooked. And gishmak, right? Eat the chunk a little too early. So some people are going to eat them. And other people are going to be like, you know what, I prefer to be a little patient. I prefer to be a little patient. So Ismin, so then we say it makes an afternoon. If you set them aside and you look at this, you say, oh, this is taka, something that's edible for me. So then Gully Daite, he's revealing his das. He's showing that it's fit and it's not muktzah. Loi Ismin, if he doesn't set it aside, so then loi Gully Daite. Then uh, he has not revealed anything in taka. It would remain muktzah because, again, it's in like this limbo state. Like almost ready, but not totally. So that that's where the gilui das plays a role in whether it's going to be muktzah or not. Omar Avzera, Avzera says Tashma, come and listen to uh, come and listen to the following brisa. Me pilin va'adoshim from the halachas of pilin from beans va'adoshim and lentils. So pilin va'adoshim ekara chazu lechais. Beans and lentils chazu lechais. Chazu lechais means you can eat them without being cooked. You can eat them raw. Right? Shedinu um, Then you throw them into a pot. Itchulu. And they become pushed aside from him. Top of tomorrow's daf. Gomar bishulayu. Now it completes the cooking process. Chazulay. It becomes chazu again. It becomes fit again. And are you allowed to cook beans and lentils on Yom Tif And eat it? Yeah. So I have a proof. That you ha- you, you're taking raw beans and lentils, yomtif morning for your lunch. Are they fit to be eaten? Yeah, not muktza. But then you're putting them in a pot to cook for an hour. While they're in the pot, are they fit to be eaten? No. So we'll say, oh, muktza. But then when it's finished being cooked, now I got cooked beans and lentils, gishmak. I can eat it again. I got a, I got a delicious soup. Everybody agrees that's that's uh, it's not muktza, right? And I'm allowed to eat it. So you see. That when Hill had a Shiloh, what was the original Shiloh in the middle of the of of Chavavah Hill says to Rabbah, what's the status of something? 
which became Muktza on Yom Tov. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, right, it, was, it wasn't Muktza when Yom Tov started. It became Muktza on Yom Tov for a few hours. And now it became not Muktza again once Allah. So, says the Gemara, to, says Rab I'll prove to you from lentils and beans. This happens every time you cook them on Yom Tov. It must be it's allowed. Amalei Abaye, Abaye says back to Rab we'll end with this step, but according to your svar, to learn out from beans and lentils, tikshilach kedera is the alma. Yeah, what um, you're, you're going to have a problem with any time you cook food. Taha stam kedera is the alma, but you have a regular pot of food. Bein hashmoshes rais chayim, a usual pot of food. Are um, Rashi says it, 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 what we're dealing here with Shabbos at least is pre cooked, right? You make sure that your food is cooked prior to Shabbos. During Bein HaShemoshes, they they're already boiled. And that night, we eat from it. So you see from here that anything that's cooked is not Muktza. It must be that something which a person can control. That's what it means. Gumru. Something that's in my hands to control whether it's edible or not, that's not muktzah. It's not set aside for me. Kikomi boilon, where's there a shayla? Gumru where's there a shayla? Gumru bide shemayim. When you're relying on shemayim, and that is where Hillel's shayla was. Hence, says Abayi to Rav you have no proof. Let's explain the answer, and we're going to hold it here for today. Hillel had a question. A shayla. His shayla was, when you have, and the, this w- with the case of Rashi, you have figs. The figs are dried out, but you leave them out. Now the rain comes, and then they, they re-dry. Is that mukta? Comes along with Zayir, Zayir says, listen, hello, of course it's not mukta. Of course it's allowed. Because every time you cook food, that's what happens. Foods could be eaten raw, and then you, while they're cooking, nobody wants it. It's not really edible. And then when they're done, it's, it's fit again. So you see, of course it's allowed. To which Abai says to Hillel name. Muksa by definition means it's out of a person's mind. Say, listen here, he says to Abzir. Why by the case of the figs? Where it's all dependent on the heavens. You have no control. You have no control over what's going to be. Now we never have control, we know that. So our, our, our hands can't touch it. Our hands can't touch it. Whether it's dry or wet. It's going to be dry now? It's out so it's mukta for me. Unless it's fit, it, it, perhaps it might be mukta. But something like cooking, which, using my hands, if I, if I have a pot cooking, <clears throat> I could control whether it's going to be raw or cooked and all the stages in between, then even in the in-between stage, it's not mukta. Because I'm using my hands and creating that over there it's not going to be muktzah. Hence, Abayi says to Azir, you have no proof from the case of the, uh, from the case of the soup, from any sort of cooking. Perhaps cooking is is not muktzah. However, by the drying out bidei shemayim, maybe it still will remain muktzah. We don't have an answer yet. And Bez Hashem, we will keep on this topic. Uh, we will pick up from here uh, tomorrow on Hishana Rabbah. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.